If you have your Bibles with you tonight and you want to turn there, I'm going to be taking some Scripture out of the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 10. And uh, if you want to, go ahead and be finding Revelation chapter 21. And uh, I've always said Matthew Matthew 10. Um, I've always said I don't often find myself over in the book of the Revelation. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things I, I have difficulty understanding it, and I, I you know, I don't want to, don't want to do anything amiss. But uh, when I do go over there, the Lord shows me a lot, and, and, and thankful for that as well. But here in Matthew chapter ten, uh, you'll find that, and, and, and kind of what occurred to me when it, when this message was laid on my heart was how that. A lot of things in the world, uh, they have an appeal, but we don't know the long-term result. We don't know what we're getting into, so to speak. You know, it's just like when I was a little kid and I remember, you know, looking at the grown-ups and I remember saying, man, when I get grown up, when I become an adult, when I'm grown, uh, that I'm going to do what I want to do. That I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do. And, you know, of course, uh, uh, for the first little bit, as I got closer and closer to adulthood, I remember thinking, well, this ain't all it's cracked up to be. You know, in adulthood, the kids, all they see is the adults being able to exercise their own judgment and their own wisdom. But any adult that's ever taken on any degree of responsibility knows there's a little more to it than that. And then a lot of times the kids are wanting to be adults and the adults are wanting to go back like it was when we were kids. And uh, I remember, you know, thinking about this, that when I was a kid, there were certain things that were presented to me. I grew up in the era there, the last little bit of the Cold War and everything, and there was this campaign that they had against drugs called Just Say No. Yeah. I remember that. It failed miserably, by the way. It it, it didn't work. And its greatest failure was with my generation. Now, I'm sure if I were to ask you people to hold their hands up who know somebody that's drug addicted that probably nearly everybody in the house would hold their hand up. Now I would say when I was a kid that wouldn't have been the case. Right. And you see that one of the things that happened in my own observation from the time I was in middle school on up uh, was that my friends, now I thankfully never got into any of that stuff. Never fooled with it. Never messed with it in any way. I'm not an expert in it. Uh, I wouldn't be the person to be able to try to relate to an addict or anything like that. But I could tell them, but the Lord can help you through it because He can and I know He can. I believe that with all of my heart. But you see, a lot of times when we pander to the flesh, we're trying to satisfy the flesh, what happens is, is that we get more than we bargain for, but it's not in a good way. That you'll find that, uh, let's take for example, a kid who says, when I get grown up, I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat. Now, when I was younger, I could run through dry leaves without making them rattle. I've got a little more of a soggy appearance than what I used to have. And a lot of that is the result of me eating whatever I wanted to eat whenever I wanted to eat it. And I've seen people, you know, and these things happen that they eat whatever they want to eat and they're exercising freedom in the world. Right up until that it takes more from them than what they ever thought they would have to give. 
And you see that everything that the devil has looks nice on the surface, but you don't know what you're getting into. That that drug problem that happened, I remember sitting my kids down and I asked them, are drugs bad? When they hit a certain age and they said, well, yeah, Dad. And I said, why then is it that so many people take them? If they're so bad to begin with, why does anybody ever fool with them to begin with? And they said, well, I don't know. I think that's where just say no failed. Yeah. Was they never looked and acknowledged, yes, they'll make you feel good for a little bit, but when they get their hooks in you, they're not going to turn you loose. And I told him, I said, and I related it to some people, and I had some friends of mine in mind that I told him, I said, it's almost as though it would have been better if they'd have died before they ever reached adulthood. Rather than to let something like that get its hooks in you. And that's the way the devil does the things of the world in trying to satisfy the flesh. You don't know what you're getting into until that it's too late. Well, here in these Scriptures that we're going to read, and we're going to start reading at verse 32, you'll find that Jesus lays it out plainly. You know what you're getting into as a Christian. And He doesn't paint this picture of all honey and no bees, or all roses and no thorns. The world would tell you, oh no, now everything's going to be alright. You're going to get your happily ever after. Drugs are going to tell you you're going to feel great forever. Worldly pleasures, you're going to look around and it's going to say... Look, you're going to have everything that you want. And if you believe that, you need to read the book of Ecclesiastes. Because the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, when he sat down, he said, Look, I gave my flesh everything that it wanted. And he said, When I got done, I felt empty. I didn't feel filled up. I didn't feel satisfied. But rather, I felt empty. And then when he gets to the conclusion of the whole matter, he said, We're to do this big thing, which is to remember God and keep His commandments and serve Him. That is the whole crux of the matter. Now Jesus, a good while later, He begins to tell them. Now, and I want you to notice in verse 32, it says, Whosoever therefore shall confess Me before men, him will I confess also before My Father which is in heaven. And verse 32 says, But whosoever shall deny Me before men, him will I also deny before My Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword, for I am come to set man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Uh, and now what he's saying, he, he, you know a lot of people run around and they try to paint Christianity as this gospel of the Beatles so to speak where all you need is love uh, and everything's great. Uh, but let me tell you something, when sin comes along and you point at somebody and they say, Mama, Papa, Daddy, Brother, Sister, is what I'm doing wrong. And you look at them and say, Thus saith the Word of God that your lifestyle that you like, it's wrong. That the things you like to do are sin. They will set you against God. They will separate you from the good things that are to come. Because the good things aren't down here. Now this world was created good if you go all the way back into the book of Genesis uh, and you find there at the end of chapter 2 when it says that uh, the seventh day God rested and said He looked around at everything that He had created and said it is very good. 
That included man. That included everything that He had created. Well, what in the world happened? Sin came in. And sin, what it does is it begins to separate from God. It can do it by degrees. For the backslider, what that means is you get weaker and farther away. You no longer hearken to the voice of the Lord. You begin to turn unto your own way. And then what happens is there's a separation between you and God. And God doesn't bless over sin. Trust me, I've tried it. When I was a contractor, there were instances that rose up uh, that I could do things that were unethical. And a couple of times I failed a temptation. I'll admit that readily before you. That I failed a temptation. I did things that I could have justified and made a good argument for that if somebody had questioned me about them and all this. But the Lord wouldn't let me camp out there. He kept bringing it up before my face. And the last time that I did anything like that, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you'll help me through this, I'll never do this again. I will never allow myself to be compromised. He fixed the problem I had that day. And I can honestly say before you, that I never entered into any unethical or justifiable dealings again after that because I didn't want to disappoint God. And I would tell men, there were instances in which that men would say, boy, you're awful honest for a contractor. And I say, I'll take that as a compliment. That shouldn't be abnormal. That should be the norm. But Jesus now, a lot of times He said, when you set out to follow Him, it's going to put you at odds with people. It's far too often that people as Christians are wanting to be friends with the world. Now I'm not saying to not be friendly. You're called to be friendly. You're called to love. But you're not called to bless over top of sin. Somebody who blesses over top of sin is an enabler. Where that you're bringing it right to somebody and it's a killing us. And that's hard to do sometimes. In order to get your lost loved one to the Lord, you've got to be cruel to be kind. That means, Lord, let them find no comfort. Lord, let them hit rock bottom. Lord, let Monday night football no longer hold sway over them. Lord, let them find that nothing in the world is comfortable for them and that they may be driven to their knees that they might turn to you. And Jesus here, when He's saying all this, He's not saying, yeah, I've come to stir things up and cause a mess. What He came to do was to call people away from sin. Call them to repentance. And then whenever they would look, because in the seventh chapter of this same book, He says now, and this is the favorite Bible verse of the woke culture in the United States, judge not lest you be judged yourself. And they love to quote that Scripture to the Christian. Don't you judge me. But if they were to read on, and most of them don't even know where that's at in the Bible. They don't know where it's at. They don't know chapter, verse, New or Old Testament. I've asked before when somebody said that to me. And I'll tell them, well, here's what else it says. It says, with whatever measure you meet out, it'll be measured unto you also. And they say, well, yeah, yeah. That sounds good too. And then I tell them now, but the thing is, uh, is that we're called to judge based on this Word. Because in the 24th chapter of this same book, uh, that Jesus, when He was wagging His finger right in the face of the Pharisees, uh, He told them, you tithe men and us and cumin, and yet you ignore the weightier things of the law, which are judgment, mercy, and faith. Judgment is a weighty thing of the law. And we're called to judge as this Word judges. 
Because that means judge not lest you be judged. So if you judge by this word, then you will be judged by this word. With the measure, if you hold this up as a measuring stick against sin, then it will be the measuring stick against your sin. And as a blood-bought Christian, I can tell you that I'm okay with that. But will it be difficult? Yes. Jesus said it would set families at odds with each other. It would cause strife and turmoil. In the Gospel according to John, Jesus pointed right at His disciples and He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a difficult path. And you'll notice now when He says that, you know what to expect. The things of the world will tell you, no, no, everything's going to be fine. Right up until it isn't. But Jesus said, look, you're going to be set at odds. It's not going to be easy. You're going to cry. You're going to hurt. It's going to be difficult. You're going to be beaten to your knees at times. And I've been thinking about this a lot. We, yes, we have an adversary that goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we have an advocate on the Father's right hand too. Who when we're beat to our knees, uh, He stands up. uh, uh, Just like when they stoned Stephen. uh, He looked up and said, I see Jesus uh, standing at the right hand of the Father. Uh, uh, Now you you would try to tell me, and this gospel, this prosperity gospel that's going around, uh, I tell you, uh, uh, they need to preach that to the Apostle Paul because apparently he did something wrong. Because according to it, everything should go just fine. Yeah. Everybody should just get right along. You should have plenty of money. Never be in peril. Never have any difficulty. That is not sound doctrine according to the Word of God. This is not just Brother Jeremiah. This is what saith the Word of the Most High God. And then he goes on now in the next two verses. And I want you to notice. And then we're going to turn to Revelation. In verse 38, it says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy... Of me, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Uh, now you could say, well, Brother Jeremiah, am I going to be called to martyrdom? Maybe socially, maybe literally. I don't know, but I can tell you uh, as a minister uh, that a lot of times when I would come into social circles, uh, that people would treat me about like lepers got treated in New oh, Testament yeah. times. Because they were worried that I was judging their deeds. And I was. I wasn't saying anything to them. But the thing is, a lot of times when people feel convicted just because of the presence of a Christian, they know what they're doing is wrong. You don't have to tell them. When I first started working down at Kenny Queen Hardware, I remember I'd go out, I'd have to go out to the shop and interact with some of those guys out there. And I don't know what it's like to be, you know, I've always heard people cussing like a sailor. Well, I've never been on a naval vessel, but I can tell you this, it couldn't be much worse than it was out there in the shop. And I would come out there, and there was one fella that he would go out there to, and he was a minister, and he'd jump all over him. Hey, you cut that out. And he'd look at him and just go right on. But I noticed that after a while, I never said anything to them. I prayed for them. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't announce it to them. I don't believe in that. Right. I don't believe in praying on the street corner so that people right. will see you. That's right, man. But I entered my closet at home and I prayed for those men. Yes. And later on, word got back to me from one of the other fellas. They said, man, they're on their best behavior when you're over there. And I said, well, they don't have to be. And they said, well, they respect you. They believe you're walking the walk and not just talking the talk. And I said, well, praise the Lord for that. But if they watch me close, they'd see me stumble. Oh, yeah. 
But you see, the thing is, it will set you at odds. Your faith will set you at odds with the world. And that's okay because you're not to be of the world. You're to be of the Lord. Is it going to cause you problems? Yes. Are you going to cry? Yes. Yes, you will. It'll hurt. Whenever that somebody says, I hate you and I hate your God. I don't care anything about you. And you know, an instance came up for me one time when I was at Marshall University and I walked up to one of them big tall buildings there and I noticed normally between, at the time between classes, there would be people just filing in and out of buildings and things like that. And I come up and there was just this big crowd standing out in a little courtyard area in front of the building. And I looked around and nobody was going in the building. Only people were coming out. And I remember... I saying just to kind of the crowd around me, does anybody know what's going on? Somebody said that the fire alarm's going off. And so I walked around the building. I walked around the other side. I'm curious by nature. Saw no smoke. Didn't smell any smoke. Didn't see any flames or anything like that. But the interesting thing was, these same people, and I saw many of the same ones, there was a man that stood out in Bus Kirk Field just a few days before that proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, warning them away from hell, telling them there is a hell to be shunned. And many of these same people now, they laughed. I stood amongst them to hear what they would say. And I heard them say, we're okay with going to hell. And I remember thinking, no, you're not. You don't even know what hell is. And I listened. And yet, it was that they stood outside of this building that had no smoke coming out of it, no flames. They didn't know that it was on fire, but at the off chance, they wouldn't go in because they were afraid of perishing. And I remember thinking to myself, they're willing to flee from that wrath, but not from the wrath of the Most High God. That that's the world that we're living in. They'll look around and at the off chance that something bad might happen to them, they'll flee from it. But when it comes to hell, hell is just a myth. Hell is not a reality. Had a person one time talk to me about heaven and things like that and tell me, well, I'm going to heaven and I'm going my own way. And I said, now wait a minute, when you say heaven, what do you mean? And they kind of looked around and said, what do you mean, what do I mean? I mean heaven. And I said, well, what do you call heaven? And, I, and they said, well, I don't. And I said, are you talking about the place with gates of pearl? Oh, yeah, definitely got to have those for heaven. I mean, that's. Uh, walls of jasper, well, sure. Uh, streets of gold, oh yeah, absolutely. Can't have heaven without streets of gold. And I told them, I said, do you know where all of that comes from? They said, well, the Bible. And I said, and you believe this to be true? And they said, yes. And I said, well, my, that same Bible, it says there's only one way to heaven and that's through and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said, that's it. There's no other way. And anybody that tries to make it some other way is a thief and a robber and they'll not enter in. And that's the world we live in that people say, oh, I want to believe certain parts of the Bible, but I don't want to believe it all. And I've said long ago, uh, if I can't believe it all, I'm not going to believe any of it. Uh, I told a Jehovah's Witness one time and they were trying to tell me they knew how to rightly divide the Word of Truth. Uh, And I told them, who gave you this knowledge? Uh, They said it was divine revelation. Uh, And I said, and yet at the end of the book of Revelation, it said that any man that adds to or takes from this book, uh, let the plagues be heaped upon him. They didn't 
didn't know what to say. And I told him, look, if I can't believe all of it, I won't believe any of it. Maybe that makes me an absolutist. But I believe this Word of God completely. It stood the test of time. And will it set us at odds with people? Well, I've already told you of a few examples that it set me at odds with people. And it will continue to do so. Jesus said He came to bring division. Mostly what He wants to divide you from is your sin. To get you away from it. And then once He does that, He's going to multiply His grace in your life. And will it cost? Yes. He said right here in verse 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And let's turn over into the book of the Revelation because this is the end. Revelation chapter 21. And, and, and something that, that I found out years ago, and I'd never noticed it on my own, but I heard another minister say this, and of course I had to look and see. The first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible, no devil. He's not in it. He doesn't factor in. That when we get to this point, the devil is done. Yeah. He's beaten. His back was broken at Calvary. He's not on the radar anymore. But I want you to notice what it says here in Revelation uh, chapter 21 and in verse 3. It says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Now pay particular attention to verse 4. Because remember when I said it would separate you and cause you difficulty and cause you to cry? Verse 4 it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And verse 5 now, the Lord speaks and says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. That if you like writing in your Bible, right next to verse 4 there, God is faithful. That yes, it'll set you at odds. Yes, it'll put you against the world. And yes, you'll cry. Yes, you'll suffer. But the end is a good Good thing. No more death. No more pain. No more of this junk that the devil would try to heap on our heads. Uh, that we win. Yes, amen. That's it. We win. Oh, yes, the Lord. You know, I've, I've heard people, and I've said it myself, Revelation's hard to understand except for one thing I know that it says we win. Yes. That when you read the part where it says that uh, the Antichrist and the devil, they've brought their army out arrayed against the Most High God. Uh, oh, yeah. And it says that the Lord shows up on His horse that's white. Uh, yeah. said His vesture uh, is like lightning or His countenance is like lightning. Uh, his clothing is whiter than anything said written upon His thigh. Uh, is King of kings uh, and Lord of lords. Uh, and it says that He destroys them with the sword of His mouth. Uh, and I believe that He'll just look at them and say, uh, dead. You don't get to live anymore. That's all He has to do. And if you don't believe that, you need to go back and read John chapter 1 verse 1 when it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and there was nothing made that was not made by Him. And Jesus Christ 
Christ is that living word. And when he said, I've come to bring division, yes, he'll bring division. But he also said, I'm going to dry your tears. I'm going to take away the pain, the hurt, the death. Everything that might drag you down is going to get dealt with. Oh, yeah. We look around in this life, and I've said many times, Yes, we serve a merciful God. And that's what everybody wants to see is the merciful God. And I'm thankful for the merciful God. But do you know that mercy will end? And then we come before a just God. And coming before a just God without the blood of Christ, I wouldn't want to stand before that God. Because you think about it in these terms. Justice... It's about balance. If you've ever stood in any courthouse or anything like that, you know Lady Justice, she's got the blindfold around her there and she's got a set of scales in her hand. Justice is about that balance. For every negative, there has to be a positive and everything has to come to zero. Now you think about that. And a lot of people say, I want justice. I don't want justice. Justice says I die and go to hell. Yes. Justice says that I was born of the desires of the flesh. I inherited sin from my parents. I became a sinful creature myself. I began to sin and earn my way into hell. And I couldn't make up for all of the wrong deeds that I could do. My own body is not a worthy sacrifice. And so what happened was is that God sent His Son into this world. They looked at Him. The high priest. And every time that the Pharisees, every time that you read in the Gospels where that the Pharisees are dogging his steps, they're doing their job as the priesthood. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Because in the priesthood, they're supposed to examine the sacrifices and deem them worthy. <laughs> and they looked at Jesus. They jumped out and they told him, Why are your disciples picking ears of corn on the Sabbath? And Jesus tells them, Look, uh, uh, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. He healed blind eyes. He touched deaf ears. He done all these things. All he ever did was good, and he blessed this world. Uh, and they examined him, accused him, asked him. Uh, and it was just like the high priest taking that little you lamb that you might have brought for your own sin, and they were combing through its fur. Yeah. Looking for that one hair that that was the wrong color. Looking for any spot and blemish. And they did that to Jesus. And then when the time came, they couldn't find anything wrong with Him. And they were looking. And then when the time came, He was an acceptable sacrifice for our sins. And while you may look around and say, well, you know this world's getting awful bad and I've been guilty of this a time or two. Sign of the times. You ever found yourself saying it's a sign of the times? Oh, yeah. That may be true, but also there are those that work right up until the last minute for the Lord. And I can tell you this, and God's had this on my heart for days, and I don't think it's just for me, but I know it was first for me, and I've been praying about it a lot, and I want you to start praying about it. Ask God to let you be a blessing. Yes. You ever notice when we get down and pray, God bless me? Bless the people I love. Bless every, But keep this one out of heaven just a little bit longer so I can see them one more day. Rather than God, help that wicked person that they might turn away. God, let me be a blessing. Let me be the one that's willing to go and to adjure them to come in before that it's too late. God, let me be a blessing to everybody that comes around me that if I've got one more week, that it'll be the best week I've ever lived for you. 
And then when you set that goal, and even if you miss, it won't be by much. To make up your mind to serving. To make up your mind that even if it costs you. Now that's the difficult part. Looking around and saying, God, everything that I have is in your hands. God, I wouldn't have none of this if it wasn't for you. You know, I've thought a lot about that man at the pool of Bethesda. You know, Jesus really only said two things to him when he found him there. He said, will you be made whole? And he rattles on about why he can't get to the pool in time. And then Jesus says, well, rise up and take up your bed and walk. (laughs) He doesn't say, oh, shucks, buddy, that's a tough deal right there. I'll pray for you. He commands him. It's the same Jesus. And, and, and I love this. It's the same Jesus that stood in an open tomb and spoke to a dead body. Yes. And it got up. Amen. Spoke to dead ears and they heard and obeyed. And He spoke to this man and He said, then get up, take up your bed and walk out of here. And you wouldn't have found a single Pharisee in that place. And you know why? Because it was filled with sick people. And they wouldn't be made unclean, but Jesus walked right there. Just like in the chapter before when He visited the woman at the well, He had another appointment with that man at the pool of Bethesda. And He said, will you be made whole? And He said, well, every time that I try to get to the, to the pool after the water stirred, I have no man. That meant He was there by Himself, cut off from everyone else. He was at odds with everyone else. And then Jesus says, well, get up. Now, I'd go ahead and tell you, if I were to try that, I don't know that it would work out that way. To me, it would be about the equivalent of somebody who's anxious or depressed and just say, well, don't be sad. Oh, well, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of not being afraid? Yeah, that sounds great. But Jesus had the authority. And He looked down at him and He said, take up that bed and walk it right on out of here. Now, you imagine that man's response to that? A smile from ear to ear. As I've said many times, I guarantee you he had a skip in his step. He wasn't just walking. He had a skip in his step. And he was on his way home. And he didn't even make it back to the house before the Pharisees didn't jump out from the bushes and say, hey, 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 it's the Sabbath. What are you doing? You see, they they couldn't get over the little things and and, and their traditions and all of these things. And that's the way the world is out there. When you tell them about Jesus, now say, I don't know, that, 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 ain't, that ain't me. I've had people literally say, look, it's fine. It's fine that you're a Christian and that you believe that stuff, but it's not for me. And I've looked at a few and said, it's, it's exactly for you. Oh, yeah. It's for all. Yes. When it said whosoever, yes. well, that literally means whosoever. Yeah. Anybody, A-double-L, all. All who would come to Christ can be saved. That's it. Many people die and go to hell just for want of acknowledging Christ as a Savior. That's it. And sometimes we're afraid to talk to them because they might not like us. They might say mean things to us or about us. I can tell you this though. As a teacher, I've found myself, and the thing I was most completely unprepared for as a teacher 
was that there are some students that I have that to them, I'm the adversary. <laughs> that when I get up there and try to teach them the principles of science, <laughs> I don't want to hear any of that. I even told a kid one time, he was 16 years old and in the eighth grade, he'd been there a little, uh, a little time. Hated school. And I looked right at him and I said, son, I can't make you care about this. I said, I can't make you enjoy this or like it. And I know some of it is not really super enjoyable. But I also told him, I said, but you're here and you might as well benefit from it just at least a little bit if you can. You might actually learn something. And I believe he did. I don't know. I prayed for that kid a lot. I've seen improvements. What I can tell you is this. We have an adversary. And sometimes when oh, we yeah. meet the lost, they don't want to be our friend. They don't want to hear what we have to say. Yeah. If they were to have seen us up here praying earlier and anointing each other and shouting and glorifying God, they'd have said, that's a madhouse. How can they be like that? All I would say... Is well, you come to Jesus and see if you can keep from acting like oh, that. Yes. You get in touch with the Shekinah glory of the Most High God and see if you don't act up a little bit. See if you don't feel like shouting. Because I've always said sometimes it gets so much that this flesh just don't know what to do with it. And when I read that scripture there in verse 4 of Revelation 21, uh, I tell you that I felt uh, it in my soul uh, of God saying, Look, it may be bad and it may be dark and it may be difficult, but when I deal with sin and bring you to me, every tear that you've cried, I've noticed. Oh, yeah. Every hurt that you've had, I've seen it. Every time that you've grieved, I have wept with you. And I'm going to end it all. End all of that grief. Oh, yeah. End all of that death. End all of that pain and take care of it. Oh, yes. And bring us to be with Him forevermore. If that ain't a happy ending, I don't know what is. All the fairy tales out there and they lived happily ever after. Life would speak contrary to that. But I can tell you that when it's written in this book right here, it's 100% true. And if you don't believe it, you need to come to the altar right now. If you don't think that you can stand in the difficult days that may be ahead, being set at odds with other people, then I suggest the altar. Because you yes. don't know what lays ahead. You don't know how that you're going to be divided because of following the Lord. But now He said, if you denied Him before men, He'd deny you. Oh yes. And that tells me about another place in the book of Matthew when Jesus said there would be those that would come to Him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do many mighty wonderful works in Your name? Wasn't my name on the membership rolls of ten different churches? And I'm a perfect attender. And I'm this and I'm that. And he would look at him and say, I never knew you. That's right. Because we can say one thing, but with our heart is where the true belief oh, yeah. is at. And I can tell you this, if you truly believe, yes, there will be some division. Oh, yes. But most of the time when the Lord divides you from something, it's something you didn't need to begin with. Right. is to get you away from the things that would destroy you anyway. My dad told me something when I was 15 years old, and it's rang true my 42 years that I've lived. He said that everything in life that's good for you and is beneficial to you, he said it's either low cost or free. 
And he said, but a lot of the things that destroy us, that take our health from us, and hurt us and take us away from God, a lot of times we go out and we pay hard-earned money to get it. And I've looked, and through my life, I believe, I believe he was wise in that. And what he said in the book of Ecclesiastes backs it up. That all day long we work and we toil and we go to get the things that might ultimately destroy us if we're not careful. But if we view them as they are to be viewed, every possession we have is temporary. You know that there actually is though something that you can take to heaven with you from this life? Your children? Your brothers and sisters? Your friends? You can take them to heaven with you. Yes. You can't take your silver and gold. Right. You can't take your land or your house or anything else, but you can take the most precious things in the world yes. to heaven with you yes. if you lead them to Christ. I hope this message has blessed you. If you need the altar, consider